Hello, my name is Connor. And I'm Jason. And this is the Amazed and Perplexed Podcast. Today we have a couple different things happening. First, for the first time ever, we have a guest, so we could call her a special guest. And Hannah Bryant uh, joins us today. Can you say hello, Hannah, so they know I'm not making this up? Hello. It's nice to be here. Excellent. Well, we thank you for being here. Uh, This is, did I say it was Connor's wife? It's Connor's wife. And uh, you'll understand here in a second why it's important for her to be part of this conversation. This podcast is going to be different than the ones we've done previously. Connor was recently let go of his job because of comments he made in our uh, podcast, Opportunity of Doubt. And then subsequently, uh, Hannah lost her job as well. And so we are wanting to process that with the same lenses uh, that we do with Amazed and Perplexed, the idea that we are we do not have to be afraid of the conversation, the idea that God is with us, the idea that God is teaching and redeeming the process uh, as we go. As you listen today, we want you to understand our motivation. First of all, there are two sides to every story. And so the church that let Connor and Hannah go, they have their point of view on this, and, and that counts. And so um, we just want to acknowledge that. And so the first thing we're doing is just sharing Hannah and Connor's side of things. They don't have a, a forum to share that. The second thing is we are committed to authenticity. And so this is a part of our life uh, that we feel like to not share it, we'd be missing something that's big. And third, it's just whatever happens in our lives, we want that to bless others and to allow God's kingdom uh, to grow. And we think this is a way that for us sharing the struggle and the victory that God will bring, uh, we think that will bring glory to him. And so this is going to function largely as an interview where um, I'm going to be asking them some questions, kind of the, the data, what happened, uh, and their feelings. And then how do we process these things when they happen to us where we are doing the best we can and specifically, people of faith don't respond well, and it has consequence in our life. Uh, and so with that in mind, I just want to open it up uh, to you, um, kind of walk us through what happened. Sure. So, you know, right off the bat, I think I speak for both Hannah and I, that our intention with this podcast is not to tear down any individual, any church um, you know, the place that we were both employed at, you know, it was a special place for us. We were there for a couple of years. We gained a lot of relationships. We learned a lot of things. And ultimately, we know that God brought us there for a reason. And so just because it ended in, in a really hard and, and negative way, it doesn't mean that this is a, an episode where we want to cause division or split. Our, our goal is to share our story in a way that could be encouraging for people that may have also been hurt by a church, whether it was an employee or just, I don't want to say just a member, but somebody who has also just been, been hurt by the church. So, you know, down to what happened. So the, uh, aforementioned statement that got us into trouble, uh, we'll play that clip here. Jason and I are both people, um, that want to be open about our doubts. Um, I'll just go ahead and say it and Jason can chime in if he disagrees or agrees. I do not a hundred percent of the time believe in God. There are moments in my life where it seems it doesn't seem real. Now there are plenty of like, I don't even, I feel like that is such an important thing to say. I do believe in God. I believe that Jesus is the son of God, 
but I'm not even going to qualify it even more than that. There are moments where I, I just, I don't believe. So the timeline of events is, is, is a little bit all over the place. I think it's important to first mention that Jason and I, when we do these podcasts, there are unscripted, authentic study of scripture. It's an authentic, real, and as, as raw as we possibly can get study of God's word. And so many months ago, if you listened to our trailer, we came into this conviction to want to share, share these insights, share these moments that we've been having together for many years. And one of the insights that we have routinely come back to is, is how God works in doubt and how God is ultimately not afraid of our questions and he's not afraid of our doubt. And this is something that Jason has really discipled me in. And as we study scripture together, as we go from the book of Acts to the life of David to the book of Mark, like all over scripture, this theme is found everywhere that God is not afraid of our questions and he's not afraid of our doubts. And the reason that's such a big revelation to us is because a lot of people have been told their entire lives to doubt, to question, to have any sort of unbelief in your heart is the worst possible thing. And the reason we speak to it is because we believe there are people walking into churches every single Sunday who are hurting, who are questioning and who are doubting, but because everybody else around them seems like they've got it all figured out, they have to put on a face and they have to pretend like they're not hurting, questioning and doubting. Many years ago, when I just first started my walk with Jesus, I, I had fallen in love with him. And, you know, I was a, I was a punk 17 year old and even though I loved Jesus, I was still wrestling with like a lot of, a lot of questions, a lot of doubts. I was, I was just roaring through the Bible. I was, I was ripping up my Bible, just reading as much as I possibly could. I was buying every apologetic book. I was reading all that I could get my hands on. And yet there was still these underlying thoughts and questions and doubts. And I knew I loved Jesus. I knew he was more real to me than anything had ever been in my entire life. But I still had these questions and I still had these, these lingering doubts and unbeliefs. And I remember I was, I was listening to a man who I, who I really looked up to and he owned his doubt and he owned his unbelief. And for me at 17 years old, a baby Christian who knew he loved Jesus, but felt like he was broken for the fact that he had some questions and some doubts, hearing somebody in a position of power own up to not having it all figured out, man, it meant the world to me. And so one of the reasons just right off the bat for the reason I said what I said in that podcast is because I believe that there are lots of people out there who need to hear what I needed to hear when I was 17 years old. And the, the reality is I need to hear it all the time. I need to be reminded that we're all working through this together. We're all on our own journey together. So the statement that I made very stark, um, I did not qualify it as much as I wanted to in the moment, you can hear me wrestle with it, um, wrestle with how much I should qualify the statement. Even after the fact, I, I did I, I did say, I do believe in God. I do believe that Jesus is the son of God. But this podcast, I'd, I'd had a meeting with the associate pastor at the church that we worked for about our first episode, disciple making, and he had some problems with that. And we'll address some of his scriptural concerns in a later episode and I told him he hadn't listened to the second podcast yet on doubt that he probably wasn't going to like that episode. And, you know, a couple of days go by and eventually we have some text communications back and forth, you know, very, very kind, very, uh, very loving me pushing back on some of his, some of his thoughts on 
some of the more negative thoughts on our first podcast. And we were dialoguing about the second episode. And on Friday, May 22nd, that morning, I received a message from the associate pastor. He had listened to the second episode and he had a really big problem with the clip that we played earlier. In his message, the letter was as loving as as that sort of letter can be. And I believe that that he and everybody else involved in the story had the best of intentions. But ultimately, the letter stated that as a staff member at a church, I could not I could not have any sort of unbelief, any sort of I cannot have any unbelief in my heart. And that if it this was indeed how I felt, I needed to step down as youth pastor at this church. And that if if I didn't respond to him, if I didn't follow up, he would ask to call a meeting with our head pastor and our board. And so this is about like 11-ish at some point uh, on this Friday, Friday the 22nd. And I was home alone. Normally, when you get that message that somebody is calling for you to step down from your job and you realize that you could lose your income, that's, man, that's a really heavy thing. And that's, that's a very scary thing on top of the fact that you've built relationships and you're losing your ministry and you're losing your church family. Normally, I mean, that's, that's an incredibly heavy thing. For Hannah and I, there, there were two uh, particular things that made this much more weighty on us and made it much more heartbreaking. The first was we were closing on our first house one week from that day. So we were supposed to close on our first house on May 29th. One of the first things I realized whenever I read that email was that most likely we would no longer be employed, which meant we would end up losing that house. And there's a lot of heartbreak and there's a lot of sadness over that. The second thing is, is a few weeks before that, we had found out that Hannah was pregnant and we were, we were and are overjoyed at that reality. We're first time parents and that has a lot of its own fears that come alongside of it. Um, but, but ultimately just a really big moment in our lives, buying our first house, you know, getting pregnant with our first child, just a lot of gratitude, a lot of Thanksgiving, and just a lot of looking forward to the amazing things that we felt were on the horizon for us. And so when I read that email for this first time, the weight, the weight of it all, it nearly crushed me because I realized I had a good feeling that the associate pastor was not alone in his thinking of his assessment of what I said, that this was probably all over, that we were going to lose the house. I was going to lose my ministry, that we were going to bring a child into this world. We were going to bring a child into a world of uncertain terms. And so you know, Hannah was, Hannah was actually driving home. She was going to go somewhere else. I texted her and I said, Hannah, please, please come home right now. And I, I called Jason and, you know, I, I, I ugly cried. I'm glad he couldn't, I'm glad it was a phone call and not like a video call. Cause I just, I ugly cried, you know, sort of heaving that sort of thing. And, and Hannah walks in and, and this is where I'd be interested to kind of hear from you, Hannah. And, you know, I, I told you, I told you what happened. I told you what was going on. How did, how did you process it and how did you feel and handle it? So when I came in and, um, and saw you, saw you crying, I obviously, you know, immediately wanted to know what, what happened. And, um, I realized Jason was on the phone. And so I was kind of piecing together 
that this was, you know, related to church and the podcast and everything. Um, but something that Connor and I kind of, you know, kind of joke about, but it's serious. Um, whenever I am in distress, which is way more frequently than he is, he is always a strong one. And something switches in me whenever I see him in distress and I immediately become the strong one. And I think that is not by accident. I think that's by God's design. And, um, and so I just immediately, you know, despite the nausea and the morning sickness I've, I've been struggling with, all of that, God just shut it down. And I, um, and I was able to process rationally. You know, Connor was a mess and he was worried about the house. And I just like had this overwhelming peace about it. And um, which is which is crazy because obviously I'm devastated that we lost the house and I'm devastated that we, you know, are pregnant and expecting a child in such uncertain times. And um, but God just gave me this overwhelming peace and I felt okay with whatever was coming. And, um, and I can talk more later about, you know, how I feel now after everything has happened. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the, that's the gist of it is I just, he gave me this overwhelming peace. I'm just imagining you coming in and like just immediately losing it too. And, uh, how funny that would have sounded to Jason over the phone. Um, <laughs> no, I, she, she, Hannah, and has been an absolute rock through this. Um, and yeah, you've been really incredible through this. So this happens. I coincidentally had a meeting planned with our head pastor for later that afternoon, about an hour or so away from there. And it was not to discuss the podcast or anything like that. It was just to discuss regular schedule, business as usual sort of thing. And so obviously, like I knew that the stuff that we were going to talk about this meeting, that was done because somebody in church leadership had called for, you know, my job. And so we, you know, we talked through Jay, talked to Jason a lot about it. We went and we talked to Hannah's parents um, just to get some prayer and some wisdom. We're first time parents. We recognize we're kind of, we can be pretty big dummies at some points. And so we're like, are we two kids just weighing over their heads? Um, like, you know, we need, we just needed some wisdom and people and people that have experienced a lot of life to pray over us and to talk us through it. And so we, we go into the meeting that afternoon with our, um, with our head pastor and it becomes pretty clear, pretty clear early on in the meeting that although he didn't agree with the methods that our associate pastor took to express his feelings towards me, he ultimately agreed in the sentiment and that to be on staff at this church you have to have a hundred percent belief a hundred percent of the time. And in this meeting, Hannah was asked if she felt the same way that I did. And, and Hannah said, yeah. And of course I, I struggle with belief sometimes I struggle with doubt, but you know, I choose God through it all. And you know, for us, this is such an important and, and, and pivotal thing. This mindset, this, this belief of ours that God is there in highs and lows, that God is there in amazement and confusion. And when you're perplexed, this is foundational to who we are. 
And we believe, ironically, we believe that believing in God is not a hun. It's not. It's not a. And we'll talk about it. You know, maybe in a future episode, we'll get nitty gritty into into scripture and in the Greek and all that fun stuff. But we believe that when the New Testament talks about belief, it's not a hundred percent of the time mental affirmation that there is a creator God. We believe that belief is ultimately trust in God and trust in his promises enough to follow him, enough to answer his call. And so for us, we believe so strongly in this. It's a foundation that we've built our faith and our, and our marriage upon that for us, it, it's just pivotal. At that point, when we left the meeting, it, it was still up in the air, the air, whether we had our jobs at the church. And so we left there. We talked to a lot of people. It was just the most emotionally draining day that I could, that I might've ever had that didn't involve any sort of death. And, you know, we talked to a lot of people. We had people recommend, you know, all sorts of crazy things. Go in, lie about your beliefs, you know, stick it out for a month and a half, two months until, you know, the mortgage clears and then, you know, say sayonara and get out of there. And we had people who said, go in there and, you know, and just lay down the law and here's what you think. And just every, everywhere in between, we had people, you know, all, all sorts of recommendations for for us and, and helpful guide and, and wisdom. And Hannah and I that night and, and early that next morning, you know, we recognized that as we prayed to God and I, honestly, as we prayed to God to tell, like for to him to show us that we're wrong, we really wanted, at least speaking for me, I really wanted God to make it very clear to me and to Hannah that we needed to repent because it would have been a lot easier for us in, in, in the short term if we could have just recognize how wrong we were, go in there and, and beg for our jobs. It would have saved some measure of, of trials for us. But that voice from God never came, that message, we, we never got it. And so we began to realize the burden, you know, the house was pretty much gone, right? The house is gone and we don't know what our next... We don't know what our next job is. We don't know where our money's going to come from. And we have a baby on the way. And we're, this, is, this is a cross that Jesus is calling us to pick up. And the really hard part for me specifically is it wasn't just a cross that Hannah and I, grown adults, had to pick up. Uh, it, it's a cross that we are um, a burden that we're, we'll be passed down to our unborn child. That's how strongly we love and believe in Jesus. That's how committed we are to him. And so we, we go through the process. Uh, we have our meeting the next day and it becomes clear to me. We have, our, we have a follow-up meeting only with our head pastor. We don't talk to anybody else. We only talk to him. We don't talk to any board members or any other elders at the church. It's just him. And in our meeting on Friday, Anna and I asked to to talk about this issue, to speak about it in front of our board, in front of all of our elders. And we were denied that request. From the time on, on, thir- on Friday that we received the email to the time that we were eventually, eventually parted ways from our church, Saturday afternoon, we had spoke to one person. That was our, 
our head pastor. So we go into our meeting on on Saturday, and to me, it feels like we're speaking two different languages. Me and 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 the head pastor. I'm struggling to understand what he means by his questions, and he's, and it seems to me as if he's struggling to understand what I'm what I'm saying, and so eventually gets to the point a breaking point where it's clear. Okay, Connor's done. Our head pastor turns to Hannah and tells her that she's more than welcome to continue on at the church in her position. And why is, is unclear to us because in the meeting before that Hannah had expressed that she had the same views as me, that she felt the same way that she did. We were also told in this meeting that the enemy could be using our perception of these events to cloud us, to, to guide us away from the will of God. And, and man, I, it, it, that absolutely could be the case. Obviously we don't think, didn't think that, and, and we don't think that, but we know it's a possibility. We know that we know that we're fallen. We know that we're susceptible to getting things wrong, to being affected by the work of the enemy. And so when we were told that in the meeting that the enemy could be using our perception to guide us away from the will of God on this issue, man, we, we readily admitted that, yes, you could be right in that. And I also responded and said the same could be true for this church's leadership. And the response was, well, we'll just have to agree to disagree on that. We were told at the end of this meeting, if we thought we were mature enough to handle it. If we thought it was healthy for our marriage, that we, they would like us to be at church on Sunday. So the, the very next day to send us off so that we could say goodbye to the congregation. And so we, we said yes with, you know, with the qualification of, you know, we're, we're not going to get thrown under the bus and, and we were assured, no, we're not, we're not going to get thrown under the bus. And so we go to church the next day and, and it's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly hard. Obviously it's weird. Everybody knows that something is different. And so it was hard. It was really hard to sit through that whole service. And so we get to, to the end of the service and, and our pastor gets up to, to tell the congregation, you know, that, that we're, we'll, we're no longer going to be here. We're, we're leaving. Um, we were fired. Ho- however you want to phrase it. And the pastor got up and he told the congregation that Connor and Hannah are leaving to pursue other ministry avenues. And so when he said that, it didn't feel like we were necessarily getting thrown under the bus, maybe just getting thrown under a smaller, a smaller motor vehicle. And so, you know, we had people coming to us and asking like, where are you going? Like, what, what, what's the plan? Why are you guys leaving? What, what are you, what, what are you doing? And even later on, uh, that day and, and into the week, I had two students who, who called me in tears asking why Hannah and I were leaving them. And, and for us, it was really difficult because we wanted to be at this church. We wanted to be working with those kids. We wanted to be working with these people. But ultimately, the church made a decision that our beliefs were not acceptable as staff members. And so that that's the reason that we were gone. It wasn't our choice. That was deeply hurtful and just deeply, deeply unfair that we had to 
experienced that. And I've talked to somebody who helped fashion the message and at least one of them, one of the people who helped said that they wish they had worded it differently. And so, yeah, that, man, that's, that's the process. It, it was a little more than 24 hours from the time, you know, before I got that email, you know, we're buying a house, we're bringing our baby into this cool new world. I have my ministry, my, like the summer's about to start with the youth group. It's going to be, it's going to be a great time. And then 24, 25 hours later, the house is gone. We are losing over 50% of our income. I'm blessed enough to have been a bivocational pastor and I work at UPS in the mornings, but that's, that's still not enough. I, my relationship with our youth group kids is altered irrevocably and we're facing down this new, new world. There are a few observations I want to make sure are clear. Uh, first, we were recording a podcast about John the Baptist and specifically about John the Baptist's doubt or unbelief in Jesus. And you can go back and listen to the podcast to get the full context. And the question we were answering that Connor and then I answered is, how do you relate to John the Baptist? And John's John's unbelief is what we were saying. Hey, here's how it shows up in my life. And even when my, when I answered, I initially said, no, I don't disbelieve. But then I thought through it and I'm like, yes, I do. Uh, and so I, that we, context is really important there. Connor clearly says in the podcast, a sentence after I believe in God, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. This was clearly him relating to John the Baptist. And so fundamentally what churches unintentionally are saying is they're saying, we want you to be, no, we require you to be superior to John the Baptist. We require you to be superior to all these people that God says clearly had doubt. And so we need to keep that in mind. Uh, second thing is the dynamic of belief and doubt and these words. If you think if, for a person to say they have unbelief and they have doubt, that those are different, I don't think that's true biblically. Uh, and we'd have to get into a much deeper study there, but those are used interchangeably. When, when the man whose son is possessed by a demon and Jesus said, you know, hey, you, you wonder if I can. And he said, no, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. He could have easily said, I believe. Help me with my doubt. All we're saying there is there's a gap in my human understanding. And we've made this case on so, pretty much all of our podcasts because this is so important that churches unintentionally have, I, I think unintentionally, have created space where you just cannot be honest. And, and on one hand, it's, okay, what's the big danger there? Well, the biggest danger is we usually interact with God the same way we've been taught to interact at church. And if church says, don't be honest, uh, then we, I, I see evidence all the time talking to people who refuse to be honest with God as if God doesn't know. And all that does is hurt them because it creates a, a much weaker and less intimate relationship with God. And especially with the generations that are coming up, I think that is a, a fatal flaw. The, the third thing I wanted to uh, just point out is the idea of leadership. That is leaders, uh, we need to model the fullness of our walk with God, not just the parts where we're strong. I, I've said this before. If I only know of your strength and your accomplishment, I may respect you, but I don't feel connected to you. But when you share your weakness, I can relate. And I think even Jesus would present himself as weak and we'd have to go deep in those kind of things and it would draw people in. He was perceived by weak by many. Uh, and I think it drew the weak to him. And yet as, as any church leader uh, role, 
I think just an expectation. You can't have or admit. That's the key. You can't admit any weakness. And that creates a dynamic that doesn't allow for growth. And I would say it blocks out God because if a command is to be honest and we practice dishonesty in this way without even meaning to, then it really hurts our relationship with God. That's why it's such an important dynamic of what we are doing together. One of the things at, at play here, and we were told that we could have our unbeliefs or beliefs or however you want to phrase it and be at that church as a member, but not as staff. And so, you know, I, I just want to say this as a former staff person on a church, you know, speaking from the inside, pastors, elders, preachers, ministers, we are not people floating above the clouds. We are not people who, who have it all completely figured out. We're the people that point others towards the person who does have it figured out. And so I, I would say this in my heart, and maybe this is very naive and maybe it's very full of myself. My, I think Hannah and I's biggest hope in prayer with this is that people would see somebody in leadership, be willing to pay the cost and be honest with their doubts. And they would, and that you, maybe you would in turn feel safe enough to admit that I struggle too. Because one of the things that we really want to be clear on, just because it was unsafe for us to be honest about our beliefs, I mean, it, it might be unsafe for you too. But ultimately, if that's what Jesus is calling you to, if we, if we are together in this, if we're all as open and vulnerable as possible, it'll help others not face the consequences that we did. It'll help others not bear the brunt of of the weight of, of taking some of those first steps. And so I would just encourage you, I know there are, there are many communities, many people that would not, that would not have a problem with what, what I said in the podcast or what Hannah and I believe than where we worked at its time. But I would just, I would just encourage you and we'll talk about it here in a second, even though we're facing the weight of what we did, we believe so much in Jesus. We believe so much in his message that there is not a second thought in wishing to go back and change or lie about what we believe or said. I think that is an extremely important point because we had debated what to share, how to share, if to share uh, in this forum. But we believe it is so integral to the purpose of this podcast by acknowledging I'm amazed by this, which amazed is this idea of overwhelming wonder and you can't figure it out. So even the positive says, I don't know how this works. And then be perplexed means I can't, I don't understand this. I mean, this does not make sense to me, meaning by my natural human self, I don't believe it. But I'm choosing with both my amazement and the dynamic of being perplexed to believe in Jesus. And I think that's evident in all our podcasts that we believe firmly in Jesus. We also know there's always going to be a gap because his ways are higher than our ways. And that's the space. But if I'm not allowed to discuss what I'm honestly feeling, I then have to pretend. And that in the Bible is called hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is a breakdown in relationship because it's dishonest. And what I do towards church leadership in most cases, or maybe better said, how a church is, is created and how a church functions to most of us, we kind of perceive that's how God functions to us. And that's the the mythology that is really important, certainly for me, 
to dispel. So, Connor, to make sure this is clear, in your conversation uh, with the head pastor, or, or maybe him representing whoever he's representing, what are the options specifically that he gave you that then placed your decision in front of you? So as best as Hannah and I could tell, we had about three options to choose from. The first option was that we would, we would recognize that we were wrong in the situation that we were sending, possibly maybe even leading people away from Jesus. And we repent and we go to them and we ask for forgiveness and they, and we ask for help. And the honest answer is even to this day, you know, several weeks later, Hannah and I are continually asking ourselves, God, are we hearing you correctly? God, are we following your will? And so during that time, we prayed to God that if we were wrong, he would show us so that we could be able to pick that door and keep our jobs. The second option, as best we could tell, was that we straight up lie about it. You know, we have all these things to lose if we, if we b- still believe what we believe, right? We have the house that if we keep our jobs for a couple more months, then we get to keep the house and we get to keep, keep a great interest rate and everything's fantastic. And we get to keep doing our work and all we have to do is we have to lie about our beliefs for just a short period of time. The third option is that we continue to be open and vulnerable and honest. And even though the consequences might be grave, we continue on the path that we believe God has called us to. We chose door number three and undoubtedly it was the door that caused the most, the most immediate earthly ramifications. Choosing door one or two would have saved us a lot of money. Like just be frank, a lot of money. It would have saved us a lot of money. It would have saved us a lot of initial heartbreak and maybe even some dignity. The reason we chose door number three is because God is bigger than all of those things. We believe that when, this is the whole thing about Amazing and Perplex, that when we live authentically and honest and vulnerable even when it even when it gets us into earthly problems god is glorified in it and ultimately that is how god wants to work in our lives so just stepping back and you've shared some of this already what feelings have you felt through all of this so i think for me um i've definitely struggled with a wave well, waves of emotions. Um, you know, at first, you know, God gave me this peace. And then, you know, we go into these meetings and honestly, I felt, I felt frustration and anger for several days. And, um, but mixed in with that, I just knew, and God has given me this overwhelming sense of it's going to be okay. And I just, I, for one, one of the reasons I believe that is so, so I'll, I'll say this, had Connor and I been trying to get pregnant still and we lost our jobs, we would have stopped, you know? And, um, the fact that God allowed us, allowed this baby to be conceived before we lost our jobs, um, just gives me this overwhelming sense of he's got this, he has a plan. He has a plan for our lives. He has a plan for this baby. Um. And so I think a lot of my emotions are maybe even relief um, that 
you know, we are not at a place where, you know, Connor was talking about and Connor and Jason talked about, you know, Connor being faced with the decision to, you know, lie and take back his statement and say, okay, you know, I don't struggle with doubt. So part of me is relieved that we're not at a place where we have to, you know, feel like we have to lie. Um, And then another part of me is angry that that we lost our jobs, that we're in the position that we're in, um, that we are faced with the unknown. Um, But then another part of me and these come in waves. This is not even all at once. This comes and goes. And um, but a, a big part of me is just faced with this overwhelming peace that God's got this. He's got a plan. And a lot of that is around my pregnancy because I really believe that I, like I said, I really believe that I would not be pregnant now if God did not have a plan. And I believe he has a plan for our lives. And we are going to believe that he's going to open a new door for us when the time is right and that he's going to take care of us financially and emotionally. And, um, and not only, you know, just him supernaturally providing, but he has surrounded us with this community of people who are so uplifting and positive and encouraging and supportive. And, um, I mean, we have family members that are supportive. We have friends that are supportive and, um, and while we're sad that we lost and maybe not even lost the community that we had at the church we were at, because we still have friends there and we will we will always have friends that we made there. But it's sad that we don't get to be a part of that anymore. Um, but he has surrounded us with a community of people and it just makes me feel so loved and so at peace. I totally agree with Hannah. There are moments where there is some relief, right? There is some okay, God, you know, you're taking us into a new thing. I'm excited to see what you have. But then, you know, you get a call from a kid that's crying, asking why you're leaving them. And that just tears you down to your studs and wrecks you in a way that I didn't know that I could be wrecked. And then you start thinking about ways that people might look at you, things that people might have heard about you that might not necessarily be true or accurate or be not in in the best light. And then you get indignant about it all. And then you begin, then you begin to talk about, well, who, who are they? And, and I mean, I'm doing this, I'm you know, doing my best. And then you go, okay, Connor. Yeah. But you, you mess up in that way. And, and yeah, I, I think Hannah's doing a better job than me. We're trying to recognize and trying to see, okay, God took us to that church for a reason. And God is drawing us out of there for a purpose. And that purpose might not look like what we hope it is or anything that we could possibly imagine. And that's both exhilarating because sometimes we don't have the best imagination. And it's also really scary because when you're open to God and you're open to his call, it can take you in a place where you do get let go from your job and it can take you in a place where you never had plans for. And this is, this is the amazed and perplexed thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm perplexed and I am very interested to see why this has happened the way it is, why God allowed us to get pregnant why God allowed all these things to, or, you know, helped cause, however you want to say it, all these things happened and God chose this specific moment for a reason. And I have no idea what that reason is, but we're choosing to put our trust in the fact that there is a reason and that he does have a plan. I believe he's already redeeming this. It's the waiting 
that's challenging. We also don't want to let it pass and pretend with you, our audience, like nothing happened. Uh, that is important. We, we can no longer say at this moment that, that Connor uh, is, a, is a pastor and I'm, I'm a minister. We, we can't say those things. And so we want to live in authenticity with you. That, to me, is the thing that's lacking in the, in the historic, um, at least American, church context is this thought that authenticity has a place. And sadly, that, that becomes presentation. And when you're down to presentation, you don't have real connection. And that's what I've seen growing up, is this lack of real connection with each other. And it, it kind of becomes the dynamic of our connection with God. That we always, it's always about putting your, your best forward, which is fine, uh, but not at the cost of your own personal integrity. And so I want to say that. Second, uh, it's very important that you know that from the beginning, both Connor and Hannah want the absolute best for this, this church. Uh, they want this church to thrive. They're sad they're not a part of it, uh, but they want every every connection, every seed that's planted to grow in, in a way that, that would blow minds, uh, that would just defy um, our biggest imaginations. They want the absolute best for this group. And that's always been the case in all my conversations with both of them. Uh, so, so I just want to put out there to you, uh, what is it, what, what remains to be said? What hasn't been said? I'm just going to read a quick parable. There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered, but later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The heartbeat of Hannah and I and the heartbeat of our marriage and hopefully the heartbeat of our unborn child. Jesus is worth a job and he is worth so much more than even two jobs. Maybe. You heard what I said and were confused. I, I would just present to you, present to you this. There are two. We're sitting on a couch, by the way, right now. Not all three of us. That'd be a little weird sitting side by side. <laughs> there are two two people, two a young married couple who their first child is in is in utero, and they lost their jobs and they lost their community, and yet. Jesus is still just as real, if not more so than he was a few weeks ago. And so, yeah, that's, that's what I have to say. That's excellent. I think th this does raise a, a good question uh, because we all process information differently. We're all coming from different backgrounds. Uh, Connor had, had referred to earlier the possibility of us digging deeper into this and really processing, and there's a, a wide variety of ways that could go. But if there is something from this that uh, you're wondering about, that you have questions about, that you have points to make that we're not considering, uh, we certainly want to hear that. We believe that, that the scope of God's ability to communicate with us is so unlimited. And don't think for a second that what's on your mind wouldn't, wouldn't be important to us and our growth. And so I would encourage you to, to certainly in every case, pray about what you're wanting to share and, and share that. But we really want this to be a learning process for us uh, because we believe it will only um, strengthen our belief that God works uh, and is alive right now and is very active right now. And so, yeah, if you have any thoughts or questions about any of the episodes that we've released so far, we would just encourage you to 
Email us at amazedandperplexed at gmail.com. Comment on our Facebook page. Text us, Facebook message us with any of those thoughts or questions. And if you could do that by Tuesday, June 16th at night, we will be recording a question and response episode to the previous five episodes and just entertaining your guys' questions, talking through them, not necessarily answering because we might not have the answers, but responding in a genuine and open way. And so we invite you into this conversation. This is your opportunity to have your voice heard. And yeah, we just love, love to hear from you. If this episode speaks to you in any sort of way, and if you know anybody that has been hurt by a church or struggles in their relationship with God or, or the church, man, I would just humbly ask if you would consider sharing this episode with that person in your life. The reason Hannah and I are coming forward, the reason that we're talking about it is that we could be a blessing to people who have gone through what we're going through or who will go what, who will go through what we have gone through. And so we just humbly ask if, if we've been any sort of blessing that if you would just share that with anybody that you think might gain something from it, peace and grace and love. Bye.